Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. In recent episodes of the Paracast, I mentioned that Brad Steiger was quite ill, and later that he had gone into, unfortunately and sadly, a hospice. I learned from Tim Beckley that on Sunday the 6th of May, Brad Steiger died just past the age of 82. And we all know Brad Steiger is somebody who was an extremely prolific author on the strange and unknown, going back, I guess, to the 1960s. In fact, I think I was in high school, and this mirrors what someone else on the show is about to say. I think I was in high school when I first read one of his books, and there were so many about UFOs, but his were well-written, a lot of fascinating information, and it just seemed to be like a torrent of books with the name Brad Steiger on them, one after another, with a lot of different topics, not just UFOs. He wrote books on ghosts, mysterious creatures, and so on and so forth. Now, when we put together the Paracast in the early part of 2006, we selected two people to be the original guests, the first guests on the show. One was Jim Mosley, and the other was Brad Steiger. And in talking with Brad, we told him that we were going to come up with a name for the show. We were working on some titles. And the one we mentioned was Paracast World. And Brad said, no, no, why don't you use the Paracast. And here we are, 12 years later. Now, I've invited people who were heavily influenced or very closely associated with Brad Steiger, being colleagues, friends over the years, and we can get more insights on this unique personality who wrote so many books. And I'll take our guests alphabetically. Jerome Clark, of course. We know him from the UFO Encyclopedia. There's a new edition that he's finishing shortly. He'll tell us about that. Don Ecker, once with UFO Magazine, now with the Dark Matters radio show for many years. Kevin D. Randall, also a very prolific author, who's written, what, three or 400 books, Kevin? Uh, I think it's closer to about 2,000. And that's yesterday. Yeah, that was this week. Uh, that sounds like Cal Corp. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I, the number's somewhere around 125, I think. 125. You're getting up there. I'm working on it. Isaac Asimov did, what, 150 or 175? If you count the books that he uh, edited and co-authored and things like that, it was something over 400. Whoa. And there's a romance writer who did 700 books. Well, the guy who wrote the novels under the title The Shadow, Walter B. Gibson, who wrote most of them under the name, I think, Maxwell Grant, he wrote 300 novels about the shadow. Well, the shadow knows. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. You wrote a little obituary about Brad Steiger on your blog. And you, I guess, became acquainted with his writings around the same time I did. Can you tell us more? I also was in high school. I remember reading uh, Strangers in the Sky sitting in a study hall one day. And and as I said in the blog, I didn't didn't really spark my interest in UFOs, but it certainly solidified it in some fashion and inspired me to do more with my my research into UFOs, which has expanded exponentially from them. And I think some of the discussions I had with Brad about UFOs and the paranormal also helped uh, 
uh, kind of guide me into some of the lanes that I have uh, selected in, during my writing. How did you come to first meet him? <laughs> I, I think I've told this story many, many times, and people might be getting a little tired of it. But um, when I was in college at the University of Iowa, I had a friend whose family owned the Baskin Robbins store, and we would go to the back of the store to study. And he told me that he had a friend, they were from Clinton, Iowa, and he had a friend named uh, Warren Smith who wrote UFO books. And Warren Smith knew, um, and, and Brad Steiger actually collaborated on any number of books and told me that Brad Steiger, you know, the guy, Brad Steiger's really name was Eugene Olson, and he taught college in Decorah, Iowa at the Luther College. And I was working on something that did with uh, uh, the strange disappearances like Oliver Lurch and those sorts of things. And there was a story that Brad had published in one of his books about a kid in Wales who had vanished in circumstances similar to those of Oliver Lurch. Knowing that it was Eugene Olson, knowing that he lived in Decorah, Iowa, I called directory assistance and asked for Eugene Olson's phone number. And they gave it to me. This is for all you youngsters out there. This is before we had the internet and Google and all of that stuff. You had to call directory assistance. And I called him very cordial on the phone, told him what I was working on. What would we go on? He said, oh, don't use that story. It's a hoax. I found out it was a hoax. Uh, and that was kind of our beginnings was uh, that conversation. I talked to him decades later in in about that and asked him if he remembers. Oh, I remember that very clearly. And he was, I guess he was kind of excited that someone from Iowa had called him to talk about UFOs or the paranormal. Uh, but that kind of grew from, from that uh, phone conversation only because I knew his real name at the time. I say real name at the time. It was Eugene Olson. He legally changed it to Brad Steiger uh, at some point. I think it's more and more common about people who adopt pseudonyms because it makes it more it makes it easier to cope with all the paperwork and to talk to people who are members of your family and friends, but also people from the public. Well, I, I adopted uh, some pseudonyms only because of uh, the publisher wanted to publish more of my books more frequently and didn't want to have them competing with each other on the uh, uh, newsstand. So I wrote under uh, the action adventure books. I wrote as Steve McKinsey and Cat Brannigan. And no, I did not pick the name Cat Brannigan. The publisher picked it. But uh, you know, there, I think there's all kinds of reasons people pick pseudonyms. And I know with Brad Steiger, he he was uh, an admirer of the actor Rod Steiger, so he picked uh, a name that uh, reflected his admiration for that particular actor. What was your general impression of Brad Steiger as investigator, writer, and someone who influenced you? I always admired the way he approached a story, which was he was going to believe what people told him until he found a reason not to. And um, I thought as more of an investigative journalist than, than, than Brad considered himself, that I had to uh, verify the information much more carefully than he did. Um, he was comfortable with what he was doing and what he was writing, and he would believe what people would tell him until he learned, learned the truth. And then he'd tell you tell the truth. And I think it sort of uh, is reflected in the story when I first contacted him about the story of the kid in Wales who disappeared under mysterious circumstances. He was quick to point out, oh, I have since learned that is a hoax. And I, I think we've all kind of fallen in. I mean, Don Ecker and Jerry Clark as well, where we've believed people telling uh, are telling us the truth and later found out that they were fabricating much of what they were telling us. Um, 
I think Brad, my impression was that Brad was a little bit more lenient than uh, Don Ecker or Jerry Clark or I might have been on talking to some of those witnesses. And I kind of liked that attitude, but I saw my job as requiring me to be a little bit more aggressive in verifying the information than Brad often was. So he was, in a sense, without criticizing the practice, focusing more on a good story. He was looking at the story. If there was something that caught his attention that he didn't find believable or credible, he would not pass it along. But um, I I think one of the things is um, on my blog, I've been caught in this little dust up over the um, coin helicopter case, you know, the Army helicopter that was approached by the UFO in 1973. And um, we have all the documentation from the various witnesses that were involved, and I've got their their statements and all of that. But yesterday, I had an opportunity to talk to one of the crew members. And you I know what? Let's that. talk about that in my next segment. That's good to follow up on this because you've been doing a lot of great work in looking at older cases and trying to give them that second look to see what new stuff you might learn about them. We've okay. got. Don, Kevin, Jerry, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. 
It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're doing kind of a memorial or observance of the life and times of Brad Steiger with Kevin Randall, Don Ecker. Jerome Clark will hear from Jerry next. And you were talking about looking at some of the older cases like the coin case. And you talked to somebody yesterday about it. I talked to uh, one of the crew members yesterday afternoon about it. But 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 the point is not that I'd done that, but I had all the documentation. I just wanted to get the guy's own words. And I think Brad often would take the documentation and run with it without verifying the words. And what I verified yesterday was exactly what was in the documents. But I, I, I would think it was taking an extra step that Brad sometimes didn't take. And I, I think that, you know, I, I admired the way he did his job as he saw it. And I kind of wished I could do the same thing, but I never felt I, I could. And I'm, it's not a criticism of Brad. It's an admiration for the way he actually conducted his business. Jerry, how did you first come in touch with Brad Steiger? I read a book which uh, Kevin mentioned several minutes ago, uh, Strangers in the Skies, which was the first time I encountered the name Brad Steiger. The book was published in 1966, and I reviewed it not very favorably for Fate magazine. That's how I heard from Brad. And he was actually quite nice about it. I wrote back to him, if someone's nice to me, I'll be nice to that person. So. <laughs> And I, he was just such a gracious guy. You know, he was, all the things that Kevin says, I think are quite insightful. I think that 
he mostly thought of himself as a storyteller. He liked to tell stories, and he was a he was a good writer, and he told them well. You know, I didn't know him all that well personally. I met him several times, each time under happy circumstances, and had a just great time with him. But you know, I think Kevin and I probably have harder edges around us, and are more skeptical. And I think that Brad privately wasn't any kind of foolish, gullible doofus. But as Kevin said, he just tended to take things, you know, he tended to trust people on some level. And I think that generally, you know, Brad had a kind of more positive, I, you could call it new age, not the really stupid end of new age, but just generally a more kind of optimistic personality. And so he was dealing with these materials differently from the way that Kevin and I have dealt with them, even though we're all Midwestern guys with Midwestern personalities. My experiences with Brad were nothing but happy, and he was the guy who made it possible for me to be a writer and never make any sizable amount of money. So he, when I wanted to publish my first book, he told his agent his New York agent, and and we got the first book, that, which I wrote with Lauren Coleman, published The Unidentified in 1975. And so Brad was the guy who got me started and to whom I owe everything. And so I, when he died, it made me very sad. I know at Fate Magazine, you were, what, an associate editor or something? No, I, I started working for Fate, in, I think, in 1970, and then I moved back to Minnesota, and then I came back to Fate in 1976 and worked there until it was sold, which was in, I left at the end of February 1989. So I had two shifts at Fate magazine, the first between 70 and 71. But I just think that, that, that Brad was a guy who was able to ride the wave. And what happened was that in the mid-60s, there suddenly was, uh, you know, revival of interest in anomalies, the paranormal, occultism. And Brad had always been interested in those things. And I think that he saw this as an opportunity to, 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 to write about what he wanted to write about, live the kind of life he wanted to live, and that's what he did. He, and, and he was successful. He had many friends. God knows how many books he wrote. And, 170. Uh, 170, okay. And uh, I don't know how he, I don't know how guys write like that. I've been at this all my life, and I've written just maybe twenty, twenty-five books. I can't even count them. And uh, but Brad just—he was always busy. He had a great work ethic. Sounds a By bit like way, like Nick Redfern, where every single day he would continue to work on a book. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Redfern is kind of the next Brad Steiger, but I don't think anybody's going to replace Brad. What should we, as people who follow the literature or the investigation of the world of the paranormal, what should we take away from Brad Steiger? That's a good question. Because when I think of Brad, I didn't, I had, I don't think I've read one of his books after about 1980. And so I didn't read Brad. I knew what was in Brad's books. 
But my own thinking, my own approach had really gone in very different directions. So I thought always of Brad as a guy I really liked, and I wish that I would see more often. And when we would get together, we could talk. And Brad and I, when we talked personally, we're talking pretty much alike, seeing many of the things the same way. But I didn't see that reflected so much in his books, which I think were for an audience of people who generally weren't too critical-minded, but enjoyed the good stories. And by and I think if you've been at this long enough, most of us kind of lose interest in the stories. What we're interested in is, is patterns and theories and ways of making sense of things. And we get tired of telling the stories. And I think Brad never tired of telling the stories, which is, which is a good thing. Storytelling is a good thing. Do you think that works better with people who are somewhat new to these subjects? Yes. Or there are some people, like I remember the late Lou Farish. Lou Farish hated the idea that people were making theories out of these things. And he just wanted to hear the stories, the cases. He never tired of that. But to me, and I think Kevin and Don, I think this is true. I'm not speaking for you guys. But generally, as thinkers, as people who try to see patterns and things and make sense of things, eventually we're drawn to hypothesis making. How does this little item fit in in the larger picture? And really that becomes what you're interested in at a certain point if you're thinking hard about these things. And I think Brad thought about them. It just wasn't so much reflected in what he wrote. Don Ecker, under what circumstances did you encounter Brad Steiger or his work? I first encountered Brad back in the very late 1980s or the beginning of 1990. Now, at that time, I was the director of research for UFO magazine, and I, of course, was very familiar with uh, a lot of the work that, uh, that Brad and his wife, Sherry, had put out. Let's do our break here, and we'll continue with Don Ecker. We have Don Ecker. We have Kevin Randall, Jerome Clark. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. 
hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. With uncertain times in the United States, it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside of our borders. At Miles Franklin Limited, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin Limited is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box system in North America, held in Vancouver and Toronto. Send us your previously purchased precious metals or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new. Questions? Please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346. Solid foundational storage partnered with the most respected name in security. That's Miles Franklin Limited. Celebrating our 29th year in business without ever receiving a customer complaint. Call us at 866-485-4346. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Limited, a name you can trust. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Don Ecker, Gene Steinberg, Jerome Clark, 
and Kevin D. Randall doing an observance of the life of Brad Steiger, who passed away on the 6th of May. And Don Ecker was telling us how he first came in touch with him while he was working on UFO magazine. Don, continue. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Okay. I first encountered Brad Steiger back in the very late 1980s or 1990. And at the time, I was the director of research for UFO magazine. Now, in full disclosure, I never knew Brad Steiger very well at all. Mostly, I knew him by reputation and by his printed work. And also, in full disclosure, I've got to say that back in those days, I uh, was a very hard-edged researcher back in those days. Uh, I had come from the field of law enforcement, and I was primarily concerned with the facts of a situation. Now, Kevin, at the beginning of this show, wrapped up uh, his feelings and my feelings and Jerry's on this in a in a superb way i was not totally enraptured by the way brad presented his work uh he loved a good story and let's face it a good story is a lot of fun but at that time i looked at this in an entirely different light i was in it to try to crack through to find out what in the world was behind the phenomenon of, of unidentified flying objects. Now, I also have to say that Brad, although he was a well-known paranormal researcher, was, was never considered one of the top UFO researchers. So a lot of the work that Brad did, I gave, quite honestly, short shrift to. Now, that's not to say that uh, I didn't like like him or or his work, and that I didn't enjoy a good story. But the fact of the matter was, when it came to the thing that I was primarily interested in, which was researching the UFO topic, uh, I didn't uh, didn't think that uh, I was going to hold Brad in in real high regard in that aspect of the phenomenon. Well, he did write a lot of material about UFOs. Is it that he had so much else going on that maybe you didn't pay as much attention? And because of the fact that he always emphasized the good story? I don't know if that was it or not. Back in those days, you will have to remember, and perhaps you didn't know this, I don't know. But I had a series of investigative articles that I ran for a number of years in UFO magazine called The Whistleblowers. And in that uh, series of articles, uh, I examined the claims of a lot of very, very fringe people in the field, people like Milton William Cooper, people like Guy Kirkwood, a.k.a. Noel Bryce Cornwall, and a number of other pseudonyms, people like George Green, um, and I was I was interested in cutting through the noise to get to the meat of the subject. Brad just kind of slipped for a long time, I guess, under my radar because, hey, he wasn't doing anything in any way offensive to anybody. Uh, but I was primarily interested in getting to the meat of the subject. 
there were a lot of cases going on then. There was the Roswell case, of course, which had taken on a life of its own. There were the abduction phenomenon that for years ended up being the tail that wagged the dog. Uh, There were military cases that uh, were beginning to break through. There were cases like the STS-48 shuttle, uh, the Phobos 1 and 2 Mars probe from the the former Soviet Union. So there were a lot of things that I was involved in. And quite honestly, uh, uh, Brad, uh, I probably would be honest if I said I didn't give him a heck of a lot of thought then. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough to focus on, on one particular thing. What about you, Jerry? What are your feelings about what Don said? Well, I understand exactly what Don is saying. It's, it's, it's that I had this personal connection with Brad. So Brad is always part of my life, and he was always somebody that I really liked and respected, even though we were doing things quite differently. But um, one thing I admired about Brad, and sometimes I would see some kind of snarky comment about him somewhere, like, you know, he was just in it for the money and he didn't care, so on. No, Brad was entirely honest. He was just a a good, honest Midwesterner. He just reminded me of the people that I grew up with and, and and even now live around. He just had this ethos in his personal life that I recognized. Both of us were raised as Lutherans in small Midwestern towns and in some ways had outgrown those towns, but in other ways remained attached enough to them that later in our lives, we came back to live in those towns that we grew up in, in that culture. You know, even though we weren't we're not entirely part of it, it has shaped us enough that we feel reasonably comfortable here. And, and Brad was really happy for me when I moved back to small-town Minnesota because he had longed for much of his professional life to be able to move back to small-town Iowa, which he did. So we had that in common. And we had just a kind of, uh, you know, a common upper Midwestern experience. And I think that was part of the tie between us, that that even if we hadn't both been interested in anomalies and paranormal and things like that, we still would have gotten along because we were bright guys who came from the same place. Now, when I saw Brad lecture in Arizona during one of Tim Beckley's conventions, his presentation came up very much like a country preacher. What was your impression? Yeah, I think that, that that's fair. Not, not one of the evangelical groups, but like a kind of mainstream, you know, Protestant denomination, like, i.e., Lutheranism, which we both grew up in. And it just shaped, you know, I'm I'm not religious anymore, and I don't know that Brad how Brad defined himself religiously, but um, that kind of uh, morality, that kind of general sort of progressive outlook on the world, was shaped by, you know, our Lutheran experience, and so we just talked the same language, just not only about weird stuff, but just generally having shared a broad cultural outlook. It's kind of hard to describe unless you grew up in it. But, um, you know, we, we were both small-town, bookish kids 
were really curious about the larger world and uh, eager to go out into it. And, and we went into it, had many interesting experiences, learned a lot. But then at the end of it, we wanted to go home. And we both went home. Let's look at a different or uh, similar attitude, a different attitude from Kevin Randall. How did you approach your friendship with Brad Steiger? Ah, uh, just one researcher to another. You know, someone who is a friend and uh, a colleague and that sort of thing. I know when I was doing my radio show on KTSM Radio in El Paso, I could count on I could count on uh, Brad if I needed a guest. He was always ready to help me out with that, or provide the names and phone numbers and addresses, or how to contact uh, people to be on the be on the program as well. Uh, I just always looked at him as a colleague and a friend who uh, was interested in the same things that I was interested in, uh, although his interests were uh, delved into some aspects of the paranormal that didn't particularly interest me. Let's do our break here and we'll continue with Kevin Randall, Don Ecker, Jerry Clark. You're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. 
Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state, until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I don't know if Kevin Randall wants to do that or not. He'll get down here with the boys and go there. So researcher to researcher. With me, I looked at Brad Steiger as an acquaintance, not a close friend, because we only met a few times, but we wrote back and forth and covered different aspects and times where I needed more information. He was always a ready resource. Though I agree with the general tenure here is that he presented wonderful stories and a lot of times good starting points, I think. And maybe you folks can correct me if you think I'm taking the wrong approach here. But you find an interesting story that may be up your line in the things you're doing. And then from that, you can go ahead and look at that story further. Try to verify it or find holes in it. What do you think? I, I think you, you, you've you kind of got it. When I talked to uh, Brad about cases, he would give me all the information that he had about it. Uh, he employed, and employed may be too strong of a term, but he had friends uh, like Glenn McWade, uh, who lived in Iowa City, that when he wanted additional information, he would uh, contact Glenn to do some of the harder research for him. So I I didn't want to give the impression up front that Brad uh, would just listen to the story and that would be the end of it, because I know there were cases, uh, one of them here in Iowa in 1969, where uh, two young girls, teenage girls, saw an object that hovered over a bean field and caused damage to the beans. And Brad asked Glenn McWade to gather soil samples, and Glenn McWade was able to have those sorts of things analyzed. So he didn't just sit there in his armchair looking at this. He did take it to other 
dimensions based on what was available for him to uh, to explore. So he, you know, he did his he did his homework, and I. I you know, don't want to give the impression that he was just willy nilly about this sort of thing because he did care about getting the facts right. It was just that his, I guess, impression of the human race or the goodness of the human race was that most people would be honest in what he told them and, and he would accept those sorts of things until he found out otherwise. And I think he was always disappointed when he learned that somebody had not been as honest as they could be. But he did his he did his homework. He did his research when he could. He did go out into the field to investigate and he had friends that he, he um, collaborated with on some of these investigations. So it wasn't just sitting around looking for the good stories, but also uh, verifying aspects of the good stories. When he, when he uh, was talking about the, the girls in the bean field, he talked to the parents, he talked to the girls, he had the physical evidence analyzed and published the uh, information about that in his book. I know somebody in a, oh, a kind of a review of, of Brad Steiger's work had said, well, he, you know, he's lying about the pseudoscience. And I never got the impression he was lying about anything. He would report what he believed to be the truth. It may not have been grounded in reality. We've, we've all been caught in that, where we believe something that turned out not to be true. But he, um, he would not publish anything that he didn't believe to be the truth. And he could be wrong, and we've all been wrong on those sorts of things. So I think that you know that's an important point to make. He got us all interested in the topic or kept us interested in the topic, and he helped us uh, when he could or when we asked for that help. I know that he called me a couple of times and asked me for help on things uh, where my expertise was needed. And I was always more than happy to do that. And I kind of took that away from him as well, that if uh, people contact me about UFO cases or things like that, I try to provide the assistance when I can. And Brad was always willing to provide the assistance whenever I talked to him about it. I think that's an important thing to remember. Jerry, you have a comment? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that. Brad didn't have a dishonest bone in his body, and he was a generous and kind man. I don't think he had very many enemies. It's pretty hard to to go through life and, and not you know have occupy some space in public attention as Brad did, as Kevin does. And, you know, all of us who write and our names are out there, we all have people looking at us and paying attention to us, and. Whether we want to or not, we end up making enemies. I think that Brad, for all his, his public visibility, had remarkably few enemies. You really had to go out of your way to uh, be an enemy of Brad Steiger. And anybody who says that he was lying, he was shading the truth, he was dishonest, that he was anything other than who he appeared to be, is a fool or a liar. Well, and I'd like to just append one thing, too, is if you go back and you pick a movie you like, pick a book you like, read the reviews of it that you can now can find all over the Internet. And no matter how careful you've been in the book or what you've said in the book, you're going to offend somebody some way. Um, and and uh, you, you look at reviews that people, of, of movies that people just loved, and you're always going to find the negative reviews. You're going to offend somebody some way. Um, and I don't think Brad ever ever attempted to do that, offend people. But the mere process of writing, the mere process of analyzing these stories sometimes created enemies. Well, we live in an age today where a vast majority of many people go out of their way to be offended. 
And that's a very unfortunate part of our life. And probably much of it has to do with social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook and, you know, Instagram. I mean, you name it. And uh, you're going to find people that uh, that are offended. And uh, God help the poor slob that uh, ventures ever into a political arena because that's that's the prime place to get offended so as a result i i myself try to stay out of those those areas uh, i offend a lot of people by just getting up in the morning so you know there it is well welcome to the club i think there are a few people out there and we know who they are who would much prefer if i didn't get up in the morning but you know that's how life is. I have a question of all of you here in terms of Brad Steiger, since we're looking at one, a gentle, kind man, and also somebody involved in this arena. And sometimes maybe some of the cases could have been better investigated. Did any of you ever find, and you can speak up if you want, a case in one of his books where you looked at it and said, you know, this isn't it. This isn't for real, or there's something wrong with it. I can t- I can tell you about one. Brad's I think of all the books that Brad wrote, his favorite was Mysteries of Time and Space. And I read that book when it came out. It was published, I believe, in nineteen seventy four. And I really liked the book and I wrote a review in the Minneapolis Tribune of it. And that a quote from that review appears in all subsequent editions of the book. And it was it was reprinted several years ago. I think by Patrick Weish, I'm not certain off the top of my head, but I got a copy of the book and I thought, you know, I'll look at this book again because I didn't, haven't read it in decades. And I was, I found that it was full of stuff that has not held up well, including, you know, a lot of material. And, and it's, it's a book where Brad is trying to, hypothesize about the nature of reality and how kind of plastic it can be. And I, I agree with that as a general proposition. I think that uh, that reality probably is a lot more plastic and elusive and uh, elastic than we think it is. But he was using stuff that just like, I remember the Allende letters, things like that, that just, you know, allegedly mysterious archaeological artifacts that you know, have since been disproved or turned out to be something less radical in their implications. And so there was a lot of stuff in it that just didn't really stand up. On the other hand, you can say the same. There's a fair amount of that in Fort too that hasn't stood up. But it was kind of disappointing. And uh, But I knew that Brad wrote the book honestly, and he meant it honestly, and it is an interesting book. It's, it's, it's among the most interesting of his books to read because it hangs together in a way a lot of them don't. It's kind of brought together by an overarching hypothesis, and the hypothesis itself may have some validity. It's just that some of the data that he brought to bear are not that convincing. Well, if I can jump in real quick, I'd like to say one thing. I think we've all done this, where we've written about a story or a case or something like that, telling what we believe to be the truth at the time and later learning on that the facts as presented 
originally just don't hold up. And uh, so we were not being disingenuous at the time we wrote it. Subsequent events have shown us what the truth really is. And I think that's what Brad got caught up. And I was thinking the same thing about that book, because there's a number of things in that book that didn't hang up. He's got a picture of these two cigar-shaped objects near Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, I've I actually got copies of the pictures from the local newspaper, the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and made some analysis of them based on that. Let's talk about that analysis in our next segment with Don Ecker, Jerry Clark, Kevin Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Homemakers. Groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always price less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Kevin, continue on that particular case with the photographs. So I had been looking at the photographs, and later on, I did some analysis about the the person who took them and discovered that he was a a semi-professional photographer and he loved making up a photographic evidence that wasn't there it's clearly what he'd done it's the photograph is faked i i learned that later but i had published information about that suggesting that the public the photographs were you know and here's another example of cigar-shaped craft in the formation over cedar rapids iowa i since learned that uh they're probably faked and i think that that's the point when we write something 
And I'm going to include Don Ecker and Jerry Clark in that. When we write something, we believe what we're writing to be the truth at that time. We may later learn that it isn't accurate. It's misinformation that we've gotten some bad information somewhere. But when we first put it down on paper and we publish that information, we're giving you the best information available at that time. I, as a broadcaster, having done it now for decades, am on a number of lists where when a new book will come out, uh, they will send me a copy with the hopes that I will get in touch to have the author on my radio shows. And a few years ago, I received a book, and I forget now who the publisher is. It was one of Brad's books. And I still have the book here. I haven't seen it in a while. But it dealt with zombies and uh, I think vampires and other creatures of the night. Now, we all know that uh, at least at this point, there are no blood-sucking vampires. There are no walking dead that uh, I'm aware of. Now, I don't think Jerry or, or Kevin are aware of any. Well, and metaphorical I, examples, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but, but not actual examples. And I basically, I glanced through the book. I didn't see anything that, uh, now I, I am an author that has written a novel about vampires. Uh, it's a genre that I really did enjoy in the past. And, uh, you know, in a way it would be kind of exciting if there were such creatures, uh, maybe not if you ran into one, but at any rate, I looked at that book and I thought to myself at the time, well, Brad is a writer. And what does a writer do? A writer writes. Zombies were a huge part of the popular American culture. I mean, good Lord, there are all kinds of films dealing with, with zombies, not to mention vampires and so on. So I just kind of looked at it as, as kind of a harmless uh, exercise in, in the writing art and uh, kind of let it go at that. Now, is that something that I would have wanted to explore on, uh, on my show? No, but uh, hey, you've got to give the guy props. By golly, he was a writer. Not necessarily what I wanted to read, but he was a writer. You know, one thing that Kevin and I and Brad have in common is the same publisher who published that book. My experience with that publishing company is nothing but happy. Uh, they're honest people, good people. So I'm not knocking the publisher. But at one time I was talking with the publisher about a book project. And he absolutely insisted that the book that we were talking about, my writing, include zombies and vampires and werewolves. And I said to him, in a polite way that I have no interest in that subject. I have no belief in those things. I have not even interested enough to write about them from a point of view of a folklore or legend. And that was the last book that I didn't publish with that publishing house. But I don't know if those things genuinely interest him or not, but I think you make a good point, Don, that that he, he wrote what you asked him to write within reason. And uh, I just can't do that, which may explain my bank account. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I think, Jerry, you've made a point that I've been trying to make. And, and the difference is Brad was a writer 
but we sometimes see ourselves as investigators or researchers, and there is a difference there. Brad was given an assignment to write a book, and he would gather the information and write the book as best he could about it. And we would look at those some of those those suggestions and say, no, I just really don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Coincidentally, Daniel Cohen died the same day that Brad died. And Dan Cohen was a guy who was about as peripheral prolific as Brad. In fact, his obit is in the New York Times today. And Cohen is known besides his reputation as a writer, as a guy whose daughter was killed in the Lockerbie terrorist bombing. You know, back, I believe that was in 1988. And um, anyway, I knew Cohen, and Cohen wrote a number of books on weird stuff. but. But from a kind of genial, skeptical distance. But he was as prolific as Brad. The New York Times said that he's, he published about 200 books before he died. And he and Brad were mining the same territory. They also were, they have this in common, is that if you asked them to write it, they would write it. And both of them wrote books on, on a variety of subjects. And... Um, you know, uh, Cohen, who I used to know many years ago, would write books on dogs and kids and all kinds of things. And then when he wasn't doing that, he'd write a book about UFOs or monsters or something. And, um, you know, some people can do that. I can't do that. And, and neither, I think, that can Kevin or Don. It's just in the genes or something. But if I might interject a personal story here, uh, as I was attempting to become a writer and had found an agent to work with me, she called me one day at, while I was at work at a real job and said that she had a publisher interested in books on the Green Berets. Could I write those? And I said, of course I can. And I'm thinking at that time in my writing career, if she called and said, can you write a bu- books about nurses and hospitals? I would have said, of course I can. And and that that is looking at the, the point of view, I want to be a writer. That's what I want to do. And here is an opportunity to do that in this arena. And of course, we were talking about books of fiction as opposed to books that we consider nonfiction. So, um, you know, there is that distinction as well. My fiction is clearly labeled as fiction. And I'm and and, and some of the other writers out there whose books really aren't fic, uh, uh, nonfiction are are. are are more closely aligned, I guess, with fiction or are labeled as nonfiction. But I mean, the point simply is um, you have to look at, do you want to be a writer or do you want to be a UFO investigator or researcher? And when I put myself in the arena of being a UFO researcher, the attitude changes from being a writer. It's now I'm a researcher. I have to get the best information available. And I think Jerry's absolutely right. Brad Steiger was a writer and he would write what he was asked to write by the publisher. That's an interesting you know, issue, I and I think just, that Nick Redfern is similar to that, where his publisher will ask him to write books, Jerry. Yeah, I think that, I, I find that just temperamentally, I just have a very hard time doing something I don't want to do. And writing about subjects in which I have no interest or possibly even am out of sympathy with is just something that I can't do. Well, I did spend. I was amazed talking with Brad about how he was always writing all the time, all day long. I thought, God, Brad, you know, aren't there other stuff? There are so many other things to do. I 
I have to put my writing interests with all my other interests, which seemed only to expand the older I get. Well, you know, I first started writing books about consumer electronics, the internet, things like that. My first published book was using AOL or using America Online. It went under both titles. And originally we had a co-author and the co-author kind of flaked out. So I ended up getting the entire assignment myself. And for probably five or six years, I did extremely well doing that. But, you know, this is assembly line writing. I'll tell you more about it in a moment. We've got Jerry and Don and Kevin. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking... Japanese panko chicken. It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. See why our homegrown small business at sunny-bay.com has tried to help people just like you. Get your Sunny Bay heating pads at sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Or call 253-678-1361. For hot and cold therapy, sunny-bay.com. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best complete nutritious meal 
replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great-tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great-tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So these books, I don't know if they had a following, but they sold enough to earn real royalties to earn out. It reached the point in the late 90s where that way of earning a living began to kind of fade. You didn't get the same advances from the publishers. I'm talking occasionally to people today who still write those books, and they say they get a fraction of what they used to get. And the deadlines were horrendous. Imagine writing an 800-page book in six weeks from start to finish, or a 1,000 pages. And because I met the deadlines, that's how I continued to get work. Of course, I probably ended up getting crazy from that, but it was a nice thing. Well, it lasted a pretty good gig. But that's production writing. That's real hack writing. It's not writing a subject that you enjoy. When you write a UFO book, as Jerry and certainly Kevin more so can testify, it could take, what, years, not months, right? It, it really depends on the book. It depends on what information is available, how quickly you can gather it. Roswell in the 21st century, you might say, took 20 years to write, all gathering the information, although there were books about Roswell that I'd done prior to that book coming out. But it was a process of gathering all that information that took literally years so that I could sit at my desk and produce that book. So it really depends on the book. When I was serving in Iraq, I was also serving as the public information officer. And the executive officer came up to me one day and says, how long does it take to write an article? And I said, I don't know. How long does it take? It takes as long as it takes. You know, that's kind of the way it is with the books. It takes as long as it takes. And it, if you've got a short deadline, then you have to modify your work schedule to meet that deadline. And if the deadline is expanded out from there, then it takes as long as it takes to get to the deadline. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that come into uh, the process of writing. When I was doing UFO magazine with my wife, Vicki, we were writing all the time. And as a sideline, I also branched out into writing articles for other publications. And at that time, the internet was, uh, was still brandy no. And uh, I also wrote for a number of uh, websites, uh, one of them being the Paranet, okay, as opposed to the Paracast. Now, 
I'm not saying I ever got wealthy from those sideline writing gigs, but uh, I did generate some income. But uh, you're perfectly correct, Gene, when you say that that well kind of dried up. Now, for the last few years, off and on, I've been writing a uh, a piece on uh, our years at UFO Magazine and the things that we encountered, the cases, uh, the personalities, and so forth. And uh, I can't even at this point uh, suggest when this might ever be done. Uh, could I get it published? Well, I'm sure I could, but everything at this point would unfortunately be on spec. There's nobody that I'm aware of that would be interested in uh, these days paying an advance on that. And by the way, gentlemen, if any of you have uh, any suggestions, believe me when I tell you I'm all ears, but uh, everything these days seem to be on spec. Even when you get the project completed, there's no guarantee ever that uh, we'll see the light of day. It's never a good time to be a writer, and I think that these days is the worst time ever to be a writer. It's just odds are stacked against you. And I, I, I had decided a few years ago not to write another book, and this one fell in my lap. I couldn't turn it down, but this is the end. I, I will continue to write because that's what I do, but no more books. Way too much work for way too little money, way too much stress for fun. And it's just, it's just, it's just drudgery and anxiety, and that's all it is anymore. Maybe I'm not speaking for Kevin, who somehow maintains a good attitude, but I'm just talking for myself. Well, I think that makes sense in a lot of ways, because a lot of people think that writers make a lot of money, and the real truth is they make very little money. Only a few, a handful make the big bucks. The rest, well, I'll give you an example of this, and I've mentioned this before. We remember that book, Shockingly Close to the Truth, from Jim Mosley, which he wrote with Carl Flock. That book, I think they printed 4,000 copies, and they gave an advance to two authors of $4,000. The book never earned out, which means, of course, they didn't sell enough books to cover the advance they paid to Jim and Carl. $4,000. How long did it take Jim to put that book together, even before Carl got involved? It's the same thing. It's like, what, 30, 40 years of his life in having these things happen to him and putting together material that he incorporated into that book? What was it worth? Yep, I could tell many a tale of woe, but... uh... I've recognized that story. Jim used to send me his royalty statements for some reason. On that <laughs> book and they, were, they were pretty depressing. <laughs> anyway, if you want to write a UFO book and you're hoping it'll be a huge bestseller, sorry, folks, ain't going to happen. There's a novel called, uh, it's not a science fiction novel, it's a literary novel. It's called Men in Black, by, played by Scott Spencer. And um, the character is a down on, the main character is a down on his luck writer who is trying to write literary novels and not making any money at it, just, you know, living a hard life. And he decides 
he's doing some TV show and he runs into this guy who's written a UFO book. And so the guy decides that he's going to write a UFO book because that'll make him a bunch of money. He doesn't believe in UFOs. He's not interested in the subject. But he writes a book and he makes a whole bunch of money. And I thought, you know, I was reading that. I thought, the guy who wrote this novel has never talked with a single UFO author. He doesn't know anything about what he's writing about. Everything about the book, which was well-reviewed, of course, did not speak to the reality of what it is like to be a writer on some kind of fringe subject. There isn't money in it. And you know, people I, who I, have made money, like Whitley Strieber, are just outliers. And they're people who come from outside this field. We'll discuss more of this in our next segment. I want to remind you about Paracast Plus, where you get a version of the show free of the network ads and the After the Paracast podcast. You get this for a low subscription price. It starts at just a dollar forty-nine a week. Our price, cheap. A magazine used to say that. Of course, these days, where a magazine still exists, it costs a lot more than a dollar forty-nine a copy. These days, I kind of think of the cost of a cup of coffee at a convenience store, and even then, getting it for a dollar forty-nine a cup, and that doesn't happen very often, does it? Go to plus.theparacast.com for more information, plus.theparacast.com. Don Ecker is coming up next in the next segment with Jerome Clark and Kevin Randall. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders. And they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-676-9879. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance with one call, Terminix will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminix will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests, you've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-676-9879. 1-800-676-9879. 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Don Ecker is ready to speak. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I I recall back in uh, the early, early 1990s, uh, a book that came out sent to the UFO field, uh, what Jerry was was just talking about, an outsider writing a UFO book. In this case, if I recall correctly, it was uh, the author Sidney Shelton, and this guy was known for writing you know, those uh, sexual uh, pot boilers and, you know, some some real glitterary crash. And uh, he came out with, uh, with a book on the UFO topic. So we ended up getting a copy of it. And uh, I did a lot of book reviews back then. And I read this thing. And I was appalled at uh, the tripe that was in this novel. I I even forget now what the title was, but it was about a female alien that came down here, and she had a thing for water purity, if I recall. 
It was just appallingly, in my opinion, appallingly bad. And I gave it the uh, necessary review. But yeah, in order to dress this niche audience that I guess UFOs have garnered uh, over the years, you really have to have an idea of what you're writing about. And just because you're a writer and you decide, well, I think I'll write this book on a UFO mystery and uh, then, you know, stumble and fall with it because you don't have a clue. What you're really writing about is is telling in many ways, I, I would think. Well, certainly if you get gigs, regular gigs as a writer, and you're not afraid of getting your feet dirty or your toes wet or your hands dirty, you know, I guess you can carve out a living at it. I mean, I did for a number of years. I wrote a lot of magazine articles, too. But most of those magazines no longer have print versions. And actually, I switched from one magazine to another in the 90s, late 90s, because they were giving me a better deal on the articles. They were paying faster. And then that magazine folded and merged into the one that I left. So that didn't well, work out too well. <laughs> you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of comparable to many films that come out that are released okay and they have a military usually a military combat section in there somewhere a lot of the a lot of these really big big grade movies if you talk to somebody like kevin randall or myself you know if if we happen to watch these movies it takes all of about four seconds for us to shake our head groan turn the TV off and, and walk away because the lack of, of knowledge about a, uh, about a subject like this is, uh, is just, oh, my Lord, it's atrocious. And it's the, it's the same way uh, with a lot of these folks that are, that are writing about things that, quite frankly, they don't know anything about. Would you agree, Kevin? When you're looking at the military, the movies, uh, I'm appalled that, A, the, the weapons shoot forever. B, they have no idea of how the weapons work or how to actually aim and do that sort of thing. They don't understand military customs and courtesies, the wearing of the uniform or anything like that. People seem to to uh, accept that as, as being being the truth. My mother had told me that George Custer had been promoted to Brigadier General by mistake. That comes from a movie they died with their boots on, where he's supposedly stolen some guy's horse, and they're writing a message to him to get the horse back to the guy. And then they say, we need a brigadier general for the Michigan Cavalry. Let's get somebody down. And Custer inadvertently ends up as the brigadier general. Untrue, completely untrue. But people believe that because they've seen it in the movies, and they think that's the way things work. But they just don't take the time to understand just the basics. And that's, that's always kind of appalling. But isn't it true that a lot of movies hire some kind of expert to do technical advice? They hire somebody from the military. They get cooperation with the military if they're going to do a show where they're presenting them in a good light, like a TV show like NCIS. Don't they have a NCIS agent present or former on staff to say, no, you can't do it that way? Back in the days when I was doing things, um, I was a consultant on a movie and the director and I pointed out some of these things to him and the director says, you have to remember, we're making a movie, not a documentary. So, so they'll let you do it up to a point, but then they're going to stretch it Yeah, because was, it doesn't fit into their um, vision. vision 
<laughs> we all said vision together. One more time. Uh, the vision of, of what, they, what they're attempting to do. When I was a kid, I used to go to Western movies with my dad. And my dad, who had an interest in antique weapons, would inevitably leave the theater just storming about how they got the guns wrong. And I would say, Dad, what does it matter? It's just a movie. But he was, he was having none of it. When I grew up, I had, I'm not interested in guns, but I am interested in old music like folk songs and 19th century popular songs and things like that. And I actually know quite a bit about the subject and actually write about it. But uh, I go to movies now, or I watch an old movie on television. I remember, for example, a John Wayne movie, where John Wayne and Dean Martin, this is a Western, supposed to be taking place in Texas in the 1870s. And they're sitting in a bar getting drunk, singing Pretty Red Wing. Pretty Red Wing was published in 1907. It did not exist in the 1870s. And I left the theater just steaming about this stupid, (laughs) unnecessary And suddenly I could hear my dad's voice. (laughs) Well, I think if we looked at that in terms of movies, whether they were factually accurate, we go crazy pretty quickly. I don't mistake movies for biographies, even if the character has a name from history. I remember arguing with somebody one time in a bar whose knowledge of Jesse James consisted of what she'd seen in movies, whereas I've read several books on Jesse James. It didn't matter. Somehow, she knew as much as I did, if not more. She was actually correcting me. So, what do you do? Well, therefore, if you're watching a movie about Jesse James, that's it. But, you know, we think of Daniel Boone, for example, and we think of all these people we've seen in the movies and Disney movies and everything else. Now, at least with comic book movies, you know it's a fantasy. Captain America didn't get frozen in World War II and wake up in 2010 or something, and he's a super soldier. You know, speaking of Disney movies, my my father and my grandfather took me to see Davy Crockett, the Disney movie in, uh, what was it, 1955, I think, or 56. Yeah, around around that time. That's about the time the coonskin cap became a huge fad that swept across the nation and all that assorted stuff. Well, There was something about that movie at the very end, watching Davy Crockett swinging his musket back and forth, you know, trying to beat off the attacking Mexican troops. And it really clicked with me. So I began, and and this is is kind of funny, I began researching uh, through encyclopedias, dictionaries, whatever, anything I could find about the Alamo. Now, in 1960, John Wayne came out with his blockbuster movie, The Alamo. And, uh, of course, I was at the first showing. And I guess over the years, I may have watched that film, I'm conservatively guessing, 50 times, okay? Now, watching it in, in recent years, I am totally appalled by how wrong they got so much of that of that movie, uh, and I mean, I could tick off a couple of things here, but that's not what this show's about. Exactly. But, uh, Let me do our break here, and we'll get back to this. We've got more to come with Don and Jerry and Kevin, but mostly we were focusing on Brad Steiger, but how that led us to 
writing books and factual accuracy of books, TV shows, movies. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Pre-order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. 
Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. This is Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. But I could see that in terms of this, but you see what also we have here in terms of factual accuracy, so-called reality shows about any subject, not just UFOs, not just ghosts. It's the oh, same you don't thing. want me to finish my story about the Alamo, huh? Please finish your story about the Alamo. <laughs> the, okay. Texans, the Texans lose. Oh, didn't mean to send a spoiler. Yeah, they, they lost, all right. Just a, a very brief thing. At the, at the very end of the movie, when the uh, Mexican army under General Santa Ana attacks the Alamo in the last battle, it was like this daylight assault. I mean, it could have been watching the longest day on D-Day with this huge battle, all the Mexican troops marching up to the walls, drums beating and cannon going off and what have you. When actually, when Santa Ana attacked the Alamo on March the 6th, they came about 4.30, maybe a quarter of five in the morning. Okay, the sun wasn't up. And uh, they attacked and the whole battle lasted roughly maybe 90 minutes, and they were all dead. So, you know, when, when you see something like that John Wayne movie, unfortunately, I kind of hate to say this, but the American public, and this can also be fitted into the UFO field, are very uncultured when it comes to this. And unfortunately, many of them don't want to be, you know, schooled in, in what the real facts are. And uh, unfortunately, this movie, even though I, I, as a kid, I loved it, really does a disservice to the history of Texas and the United States. Well, of course, uh, all those movies about Abraham Lincoln, none of them really sound like he sounded. It's always the actor who played him, like Raymond Massey. Right. Now, Raymond Massey had this deep, rich voice, and that's not the way he sounded. He had a high-pitched voice, I believe. Yes, that's true. Uh, Don, I had the same experience with the Alamo as you did. The Davy Crockett movie started a lifelong kind of secondary interest in that subject, and I have read any number of books on the Alamo. Well, by the way, just so you know, Jerry, I was raised a Lutheran also. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but if I saw that old Davy Crockett movie and saw the Alamo... Well, I actually know a fair amount about Crockett, too, because I have a deep interest and abiding interest in American history. So I read just tons and tons of it in the course of my life. But if I saw the Alamo sequence, it would probably just drive me completely berserk. (laughs) I just don't have patience with that. And also, I remember the John Wayne film, which was also pretty nonsensical. Fortunately, that's why we have so many comic book movies now. We expect they'll be nonsensical. In fact, 
I find it humorous when they review an episode of one of these shows like The Flash or Supergirl or any of the others or Gotham. They point out where the plotting is inconsistent, the facts are outrageous, and I think it's a comic book, folks. It's a live-action comic book. Give it a rest. But you see, the problem we have here is getting back to our subject of the world here is the same considerations are given when they do movies about UFO and paranormal related subjects like fire in the sky was certainly not quite what really happened to Travis Walton. We've had Tracy Torme explaining what they did and why they did it. All these reality shows about UFOs. How do you call a reality show reality? If they're using all these standard movie gimmicks to make the show run better. Well, they're all scripted. Okay. That's number one there. And, and you've got to go into this, into this topic with the idea that none of that is real. Okay. None of it. And, uh, it's just kind of like watching, uh, Kevin has a, a love affair, or at least he did with the treasure of Oak Island, right, Kevin? Well, not a love affair, but I, well, sure, why not? I was fascinated by that story when I first read about it in the 1960s. And so I've been following the History Channel's nonsense as they try to try to find the treasure. So, yeah, sure, why not, Don? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give you that. Okay, good, good. Because, you know, how do they get the audience to come back week after week? Well, it's kind of like the pearls of pauline all right you've got to have a cliffhanger it's not a real cliffhanger if if you think it is uh you know turn off the tv go in and take a bath you really need it but uh it's a cliffhanger every week and it's manufactured drama and uh you know it that offends me as a viewer and as a result i refuse to be a viewer and, and the same thing with, uh, you know, with reality TV UFO shows. Uh, I mean, the one that Bill Burns was on a few years ago, uh, UFO Hunter. Uh, I had some knowledge of behind-the-scenes stuff. And uh, those with the gold make the rules. In other words, the production company and the people backing them tell the, quote, unquote, researchers and investigators, what they're going to do. If they don't want to do it, fine. We'll uh, fire you and get somebody else. You know, so they're talent, they're not the researchers. Role. We don't call them researchers. We call them talent. Yeah, well, it, it's go with the flow or you're out. And I mean all the way out. So, you know, there it is. Uh, as a result, uh, I just see the whole reality TV thing as uh, as a total waste of time well there's this instance that chris o'brien has told several times on the show where he did a segment of ufo hunters and he claims that bill burns apologized to him and said he had nothing to do with it where he was talking about the mysteries in the mysterious valley the stuff he's written his books on and it ends up being pushed into sedona arizona now why they did this i have no idea but obviously somebody in the production capacity said, let's do it that way. Not caring, of course, about the factual accuracy. It even gets into the Hangar One TV show from MUFON, where they have all this fictional stuff going on. They create this myth 
like almost like an X-Files. Manufactured drama. Exactly. Now, I can see where you might want to telescope an event. Maybe do a minor editorial adjustment because you have to fit this into 43 minutes plus commercials. But if it isn't fundamentally adhering to the facts, where do you go? We look like James Fox, for example, who's still working on that 701 movie, and hopefully he'll get things done on it. He was on a show called Chasing UFOs, I think, if I didn't forget. And he claimed that everybody, all the people on the show, got sick of it because the producers would not allow for accurate presentations. I have no idea, although I think in the end, unless you really needed that check, whatever amount it is, you wouldn't do a show like that unless you had some sense of what they were going to do and you were willing to go along with it. Otherwise, this is what you get. And this is what he got. Go yeah, back in 2014, I was involved with a project on uh, the moon, Aliens on the Moon, The Truth Revealed. And if we're going to break, I can talk about that. When You've we got about two minutes or so. Go ahead. Okay. So the information now i've been involved in lunar mysteries and lunar research going back to about 1991 and when i say that there are some genuine mysteries up there i'm not kidding about that but in that production because of what the network demanded they demanded the inclusion of some material involved with the fictional Apollo 20 mission and the discovery of a fictional nude alien female figure that uh, was, uh, I believe, called the alien Mona Lisa. And, it wasn't uh, Stormy Daniels. No, it was not. It was not Stormy Daniels. And uh, I was the, was the uh, research producer and I got into a tremendous temper tantrum over the inclusion of that stuff. And the bottom line was, uh, hey, uh, that's what they want. It's in there. Live with it or die with it on your mind. And, and that was basically the attitude. So as a result, you know, any respect I had for the television uh, industry, which was minimal at best, totally and completely evaporated, Gene. We're going to talk to Jerry Clark about the book he's almost finishing in our next segment. We've been honoring the memory of Brad Steiger, and that leads to lots of possibilities and subjects. Don Ecker, Kevin Randall, Jerome Clark, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. You know, great t-shirts, fabrics, 
and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. A real trooper. After the show, Kevin's going to say, Wayling, you say this silly thing, and I think we'll answer. Paul Kimball. No, he's going to sing for us. He's going to sing for us. Yes. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I can't wait till he sings. But when I sing, he'll sing. Yeah, that's going to happen. Right. It will never happen at all. Jerry, one of the reasons that you wanted to leave a little early is because you are immersed in a book project. Speaking of book projects, tell us more. Well, it's it's the third edition of the UFO Encyclopedia. And uh, it's uh, something I'm looking forward to putting in my rearview mirror. I got a few more weeks till the end of the month, so. That's what I'm doing. I want to talk about a reality show in our area. I wonder if anyone else has watched it. It's called Mountain Monsters Discovery America Channel. Has anybody seen that show? Well, I've I've skimmed through it, Jerry. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. It's just one of the most astounding things I've ever seen on television. It's four guys, most three of them old guys and one young guy. They're all fat. And they all look like almost beyond stereotypes of Appalachian hillbillies. And they're hunting with weapons. They're all very well armed, going into the woods to find various monsters in the Appalachian region. Inevitably, they encounter a monster. You don't see it on television, but you hear it, or you might hear its roar, you might hear some guns going off, and this guy's getting real scared. Now, these guys clearly are not professional actors. They're just local characters. And I watched that thing, and I try. I know that it's fake. I mean, everything in it says this is not really happening the way they, they want you to believe. But in its own cheesy way, it's really done pretty well, and it really is kind of fascinating to watch. And I have done some research, at least online, to satisfy my curiosity. And other people who watch it apparently are as, baffled as I am by exactly what they're
seeing what's going on here. <laughs> if these guys were like handsome, you know, muscular, professional actors, it would be easier to get your head around what's going on. It's just that these characters are such buffoonish guys, and there apparently are no barbershops in West Virginia where this thing is filmed. Because these guys look like, they look almost like human scarecrows with a whole lot of hair and whiskers on their face. And it's just an incredibly bizarre show, even as reality shows, which I ordinarily do not watch at all. But this one is just so bizarre, you can't get your eyes off it if you, if you see it. I have a plot line here. It's been on for five seasons. Don't know if there's going to be a season six. The last season was last year. So the last episode, somebody rated 9.8, by the way. Buck, whoever he is, searches for the little girl after he makes contact with her and she vanishes. The rest of the AIMS team sneaks into a cabin looking for answers about the other team's intentions. Buck winds up face to face with the woman of the woods. What? What the heck is that? That's reality for you. <laughs> All right, here's one. Here's one. The super fan edition. Super fan edition. The AIMS team shares their thoughts, answers fans' biggest questions, and tells some of their favorite stories from the road. What this means is that's a filler episode. It's like you have flashbacks on a TV episode because you haven't got a really good script and you have to do 22 episodes a year. This is 10 episodes a year. So I assume Superfan Edition was done strictly because they had nothing else to do and they had to come up with something. Well, they chased all the monsters out of Appalachia. So what, what are you going to do? Oh, so we can't do another Appalachian monster show. <laughs> this is it. I was praying here for just a second. Uh, notice I said praying that uh, they were going to run into the Mothman. You said West Virginia, Jerry. So they, they should have. They should have encountered the Mothman. They actually have. The closest you get to seeing a monster, I remember a Mothman episode where uh, there were these eyes way deep in the forest that were, you know, luminous eyes. And this, we were told this was Mothman. And that's about as close as you get to monsters. The monsters are like Bigfoot or giant snakes or giant wolves. I mean, they're, you know, somebody somewhere is reading cryptozoology literature. But it just doesn't quite come together in any way that makes any sense. And yet it has to be fairly expensive to film because they are sending these guys out in places. And it is really one of the strangest TV shows I've ever seen. And I don't necessarily mean strangest as in anomalies because clearly this cannot be true. But just the whole kind of atmosphere of the show and the personalities involved in it, it is really bizarre. I looked up their credits and they have none. This is it. Their entire lives led up to this show. Yep. And when it's gone, they will disappear into the woods and maybe take a shave so we would recognize them. <laughs> yeah, they should be looking for the elusive barber of West Virginia. That, that apparently is very hard to find. Well, the mystic barber is no longer alive, but he lived in Brooklyn. Andy Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Andy they... Sinatra, by the way, he was like a 14th cousin of Frank Sinatra. And I was asked, do you want him to give you a haircut? And I said, no way. 
Well, these mountain guys, maybe they uh, discovered uh, the secret of the West Virginian still operation, Jerry. At one time, they actually did run into some moonshiners moonshiners in in, uh, southern Ohio. They were in southern Ohio, and it turned out that the this was really an interesting, well-done episode because these really these moonshiners who didn't want to be filmed actually seemed kind of like scary guys who didn't want them around. But anyway, according to the the, the moonshine guys, the uh, Bigfoots were breaking into their stills and getting drunk. <laughs> and so they didn't want the, the Bigfoot guys around. And so they allowed the monster hunters on their property because they might chase the Bigfoots out. It's high IQ television, I tell you. <laughs> well, I have a problem with this, Jerry, a bigger problem. Why are you watching it? Uh, I grew up watching professional wrestling. I thought you were going to say your remote control was broken and you didn't want to walk over to the TV. <laughs> no, I uh, used to take my kids when they were little when I lived in Chicago. and We'd go to professional wrestling matches, and they still talk about that. They're all grown adults now. They were horribly stunted and twisted from the experience. But <laughs> well, yeah, but remember this wrestling. one thing, Jerry, before you go on. The highest paid actor in the world is a former wrestler. The uh, Rock. Dwayne Johnson. That's right. Yeah. He's actually good. You know, the guy's a decent actor. Now. Oh, he is good. He's good. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible to be a wrestler. Once upon a time, I shook Bruno San Martino's hand. I'll never forget that. Didn't he die just recently? Yeah. Yeah, he just did. I, I found out uh, because I was trying, believe it or not, to get in touch with him. To find out if he and Jumpin' Johnny DeFazio, uh, I wanted to do I wanted to do a show with these two guys and also talk about Billy Cardell and other late night horror hosts. You know, on uh, well, there are various horror hosts around the country that would do these Saturday night horror fests with cheesy horror movies like from the '30s, the '40s, and what have you. And I wanted to do an all-encompassing show about that, and uh, then I found out Bruno died. So I, I was I was deeply disappointed. He died on April eighteenth, by the way, at the age of eighty-two. He was married to the same woman since nineteen fifty-nine. Okay, Carol. And one more thing, which is interesting, and that is he was only five foot ten. Oh, he was built like three refrigerators. Trust me. We are not going to sell refrigerators during this commercial block, or maybe we will. More to come with Don and Jerry and Kevin. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Pre-order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I want to get off the wrestling, although I went to see wrestling matches. 
Well, before you go, I'd like to say one thing. I have sure. actually seen Hulk Hogan on television. I mean, I watched him wrestle in, in the flesh. I bumped into him at Paramount. And I saw him on TV, so I win. <laughs> and I never saw him on TV, and I don't care. Let's go back to the book that you're finishing, Jerry. Tell us, please, what's new, different in this book? First of all, I know it won't be $150 a volume. Well, I maybe after the book is out, I'll be more up to talking about it. It's just something that I'm trying to get away from right now. It's really been a very difficult project. And the deadline, you were talking about deadlines earlier, it's just not been, been terrible. And it's just really hard to get the work done in the amount of time that, I've, that we've been allotted. And I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. I just, we'll just see. I just, I don't really have much to say about it, except that, well, I'm trying to get it done. Then I've got some good people helping me, like Eddie Bullard and Tom Tallinn and Bill Chalker and people like that. Are I've met some really good people who've been very helpful to me, and I'm I'm really grateful to them. You'd probably don't want to uh, know that I've been updating the coin helicopter case. No, I know that I've been following that. Yeah. <laughs> we have some new information that I I saw that. Yeah, I read that. That's good. Yeah, I saw the thing from Brad Sparks, who's also contributing to the book. So. Okay, I'm looking here, by the way, UFO Encyclopedia, two-volume set. This is the second edition. From $2,946.01 for the library binding. Jeez. Wow. I'm speechless. I, I'd be speechless wondering who is going to buy a book, UFO book, or any book for $2,946.01. No I wonder what the what's, what the one cent is doing there. Yeah. Other sellers see all two versions. Okay, let's take a look. I'm clicking on that and see if we can find anything more here. So what is the price going to be once it comes out? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's going to be two volumes. It's going to be published as a reference book. They tell me that they're going to try to sell it to a, a regular trade publisher and if that happens, it'll be an affordable price. And that's as much as I know. They don't tell me very much. They just call me and tell me to stay busy and don't uh, complain. So that's what I try to do. <laughs> keep, keep it below $50, please. I don't have anything to do with it. It's the market price. But if, it's a, if it turns out that there is a trade version, then it will be an affordable price. But it's being written, of course, for the reference market, which is a whole other animal. Right. That's not realistic for the rest of the world. No, it isn't. I don't defend it. It's just the way it is. Kevin Randall, you have another book under construction? Not really. I've been playing around with a number of books. One of them is science fiction. Uh, one of them I'm looking at the uh, Project Moondust because I don't think we really explored everything about that, this being the uh, secret project that uh, extended beyond uh, the end of Project Blue Book. Um, but I've, uh, I, I've stumbled onto something called Operation Horsefly, which seems to be another investigation that was organized out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in the uh, early 1960s that had sort of the same mission of moon dust and some of the other investigations. So I'm just following up on that and trying to cobble together something that would be interesting there and uh, telling myself I should write another science fiction novel instead. Well, do you have any particular characters you'd like to bring up in science fiction? 
You mean that I've written about or? Uh, sure. Or would you like to write about? Science fiction characters. Uh, how about uh, Andrew Wigan? All right. Do you know who that is? No idea. Uh, I know. Enders, I know. En okay, Don, Don, you, you may answer the question. They made a movie about Andrew Wigan where he went in and he found the big alien bug queen and uh, ended up saving the race after he blew up their planet. Yes, but have you read the book? No. The book is far superior. The movie doesn't even touch on the nuances and uh, the exciting parts of what was going you on. You didn't specify. You said, do you know who Andrew was? Yes. I, you didn't say, did you read the book or did you see the movie? I No, I'm now qualifying because you saw the movie and I'm suggesting that the book would be much better and much more educational to have read. That's all. Okay. No, not a criticism, not a criticism. You knew the answer and you get uh, a gold star. I'll send it to you in the mail. I'd rather have a chocolate chip cookie. Okay, I'll send it to you in the mail. <laughs> well, Don't just remember here, any science fiction book or story is going to be almost totally different from the movie. Although I did read the other day that Apple is setting up this TV production thing and they're going to produce a TV version, online TV version of Foundation from Isaac Asimov. Well, if you want to delve into fantasy, I would uh, pick Jon Snow as a good character. Yes, but that we both know, Kevin, that's not his real name. No, that's true. We do know that. And Daenerys Targaryen. So just remember, winter is coming. Winter's here. Oh, that winter's gone. It's we're beyond that. <laughs> Poor old Jerry and Gene probably don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> you know what? I want to say this very, very frankly, accusing me of that, not knowing what the hell you're talking about. I want to say this in all seriousness. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Well, let's just say Game of Thrones and let it let it sit there. <laughs> And they're going to keep us hanging for another year. I know. I cannot believe it. And George Martin won't. By the way, I do know George R.R. R. Martin. I was actually at his home when he lived in Dubuque, Iowa. But that's a whole other argument. Anyhow, he's, uh, he said the next couple of books, he's got like 12,000 pages written. Does not to break them up into books. He looks like one of those monster hunters, doesn't he? He's a big kind of guy with a beard. Yeah, but he's a lot richer. He apparently combs his beard. And my God, you could have taken him right out of one of those shows. Maybe yeah, he is he, one of those people. Maybe he's one of those people and he does that just for the heck of it. No, he, he makes about $15 million a year. He's, he's those rich writers that Jerry and Don and I have talked about that we're not among <laughs> that crew. He's one of them. Okay, more details about George R.R. R. Martin, born in Bayonne, New Jersey. And you think of this big guy with the beard, the Santa Claus beard. He's five foot six inches tall. I don't remember him being that short. Had a real nice view out the window of his house in Dubuque, though. Always envious of that view. That's my claim to fame, by the way. I've met George R.R. R. Martin before he was George R.R. R. Martin. I've got signed books from George R.R. R. Martin. Well, for, for anybody that may be, if we're talking about fantasy, 
And we'll continue with fantasy in a moment. But we have these announcements that are not fantasy. And we're here with Don and Kevin and Jerry and Gene. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back. Because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Jerry and I are wondering what these two are talking about. I mean, the show has gone completely off the rails. Okay, Don, go ahead. There is a superb science fiction show currently running. I believe it's on ABC. I think it's ABC called The Crossing. And it takes place in the Pacific Northwest, where a small town sheriff is notified that down on the beach, a body has washed up on shore. And he goes out there with his uh, deputy to find out what's going on. And by now, there are over 400 bodies floating into shore. 47 survivors, and that's not from a ship that went down or an airplane. They claim they are time travelers escaping a future America where a new race of genetically superior, genetically modified human beings has overtaken the planet, and they are in the process of exterminating the normals. And boy, I'll tell you, if you haven't seen that series, if you're talking about science fiction, check it out, The Crossing. It, up to this point, there have been six episodes. It is a far superior, and I would never expect it from commercial TV, but by golly, it's there. It's worth uh, watching an episode or two. There's a slight resemblance between that and a show created by Brad Wright of Stargate SG-1 called Travelers on Netflix. Hundreds of years in the future, the last surviving humans discover a way of sending consciousness back through time directly into people in the 21st century. People that are dying. Yes. Dying. They are on the verge of death. Exactly. That's a very good show. Yeah, I've got to agree. And they make you wait a whole year. You binge watch it in a week when it's released, and then you've got another year to wait. I, I know I've done that. You know, my uh, experience of science fiction is in my distant past, but for about 15 years, beginning when I was about 12 or 13, proving the dictum that the golden age of science fiction was when you were 13, I read science fiction by the carload until about later 1960s. So I was watching uh, Stephen Colbert recently, and he was talking with somebody, I don't remember who it was, but it turned out they're both huge science fiction fans. 
And they were actually talking about my generation of science fiction writers like John Wyndham and Henry Kuttner, Lester Del Rey, people like that. And I was just thrilled to actually hear those names again. A few weeks ago, I ran into somebody, a local pastor, who told me that he's a huge science fiction fan. I started mentioning people like Lester Del Rey and Henry Kuttner and, and those people, and he had no idea what I was talking about. You guys know those names, I assume. Sure. Yeah, but you didn't mention Frederick Pohl. Frederick Pohl was another. There were, there were a bunch of them. We're pretty good. C.M. Cornbluff. Oh, I was going like to say, didn't he write uh, To Serve Man? No, that was Damon Knight. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, you're right. That's Sam right. Cornbill wrote The Space Merchants, which was yes. a satire, corporate capitalism in the middle of the 1950s. I am and shocked I, that neither of you guys mentioned Heinlein. Oh, of course. Haven't got to him yet. Well, I mean, you know, in I the do. conversation, we haven't got to Heinlein yet. I wanted to get Frederick Pohl mentioned because he did a wonderful book called Gateway, where they uh, have found a, a cache of a alien spaceships. And you dial in some kind of a, a address on it, and you push a button, and you take off. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how long you're going to be gone. You don't know what you're going to find at the other end. But it's kind of a uh, exploration of our parts of the galaxy, and it's a really a, a well-constructed book. There's a really good book that came out a couple of years ago by Richard Toronto. It's called War Over Lemuria, and it's a dual biography of Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver, which is an interesting subject in itself. We did a show on those two. Yeah, what was really interesting to me about this book, particularly interesting to me, was Toronto's account of the social world of 1940s science fiction writers. These guys were still writing when I was reading, like Robert Moore Williams, people like that. And it was just fascinating. There was a Chicago science fiction circle of writers and editors. And it's an extremely interesting book. I was just amazed at how interesting it was to me to learn about who these guys were and and what they were like as people, and what they were what they were about. Very interesting book. I have a question. Let's just run back to Brad Steiger quickly, because theoretically we started with him. Did he ever write science fiction or horror? Yes. Tell us more. Uh, he wrote two or three. He wrote two or three horror novels. Okay. Oh, I, I see something here. A title called Three Tales for the Hard at Heart." One of the novels was called The Chindi, I remember. I don't remember the name of the other one. But the, the, but he wrote mid-career. He wrote several books of uh, fantasy and horror fiction. I always wonder in a situation where, of course, Kevin gets away with it. If you write science fiction, people look and say, well, you write these UFO books and you write the science fiction. Maybe you've forgotten which is which. Uh, you say I get away with that? I don't think you're criticized people, much for it. Oh, absolutely. People come out of the woodwork to say you can't believe anything he's, he writes because he writes science fiction. Stan Friedman started that nonsense <laughs> a long time ago. Of course, I don't get away with My answer has always been, well, you don't make the same comment to Nick Pope or uh, Bruce Maccabee or Don Ecker or um, uh, some of the others. You know, they can write science fiction. That's okay. But Kevin Randall writes that you know he just can't tell the difference between fact and fiction. You know what they say, Kevin. Scraping the bottom of the barrel for an you argument. You get the most plaque when you're over the target, pal. I'm thinking you're, you were going to say over the hill. <laughs> well, but I know we're going to be appearing in the new movie, Over the Hill Gang. I'm not. I'm not either. 
I didn't sign the contract. Yeah, my my people haven't talked to their people yet. You know, we haven't even done the lunch thing, so. So it's just Jerry then. Yeah, I guess so. You'll send us a postcard, won't you, Jerry? <laughs> if they come if they come to the town that I live in in Minnesota, I'll agree to it, but I'm not moving anywhere to do anything anymore. <laughs> well, I understand they have do they have a film department or something where they work with movie producers? Or does he run the flower shop during the day? Who are we talking about? The person who handles the movie production in your city. You know, there's a state university just down the road, and I think they have a film department. That's as close as we get. To show you something, I'm going to dovetail technology. Do you know that they've made major motion pictures using iPhones? Yeah. Did you know that I really don't care? How's that? (laughs) Let me ask you a question here, Kevin. I really admire this project you've been doing over the last few years, giving a second look at these older cases and checking references and finding if things pass muster. Is that going to help us get to some answers or at least just get the cruft out of the way? I think it'll get, mostly it'll get the crap out of the way is what'll happen. And I I think that it's important that we follow up. We read these books and they have footnotes and it says, uh, this information came from blah, 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 blah. Well, you go back to that original source or that, that quoted source and you find out he's quoting somebody else and she's quoting somebody else. And you finally get back to the original story. And it's nothing like what is being reported today. And the best example of that is I was looking for any case that mentioned uh, a disc-shaped object prior to uh, Kenneth Arnold in the, the weeks or days before, because there's any number of sightings that led up to the Arnold case. And I know that uh, Dick Hall talked about it and uh, Frank Edwards talked about of uh, engineer in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, saw nine disc-shaped objects days before Kenneth Arnold did. And I went back and tried to find that case. And, and we're going to have the answer in our final segment. Kevin Randall, Don Ecker, Gene Steinberg, Jerome Clark. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you an American patriot? FreeOldGlory.com is calling for all American patriots to have a free flag. We are giving away free American flags, flags for patriots, at FreeOldGlory.com. That's FreeOldGlory.com. Show off your pride as an American. Get a free American flag. Go now. That's FreeOldGlory.com. Go now. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillard.com. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I'm 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and body extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is heart and body extract. Heart and body extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. This is Fred. Uh, Hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
So we have a case here that may have been similar to Arnold's occurring before June 24th, 1947. And I look for that too, by the way. I look for references and I never really found one that I could confirm. So tell us well, what here's, happened. Well, here's a problem with it. I found the original story eventually. It wasn't in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It was in Peoria, Illinois. It wasn't reported prior to Arnold. It was reported days after Arnold. And the guy said he saw it on the same afternoon that Arnold reported his his case. I was looking for something that was published or we could be documented prior to June 24th, 1947, talking about a disshaped object, because the skeptical argument is the misinterpretation of Arnold's words about the saucer is why we were seeing flying saucers, disshaped objects. And this one, Dick Hall quotes it in his UFO evidence. He related it to Frank Edwards in one of his books. I found that source and eventually got back to looking at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, going through the newspaper, looking for the story. And I finally found it and it had nothing to do with what's being being published. So the point simply is, I think that we need to do that so that we're not caught with all this nonsense being talked about. We can get back to the, the original story. I'm not saying the engineer didn't see the nine disc-shaped objects. I'm merely saying that the information published about it has been inaccurate. And now we have an accurate representation of exactly what, what had happened. So I think I think that's an important thing to do is follow follow up on that is and it's 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 something that I do periodically called chasing footnotes. The latest one is on the coin case, and it uh, was a statement that Richard Dolan wrote about how they had checked with the Mansfield Airport and found no other traffic in the area, meaning no other aircraft in the area, which means Coin's helicopter was all by itself. And I found that in Dolan's book, and he related it to Jenny Randalls, who related it to Jenny Zeidman. I haven't found the quote from Jenny Zeidman, but talking to the air crewman that I talked to yesterday, uh, Janicek, I mentioned that casually, and you know his whole voice and Timner changes. Yeah, we went out and looked about that in the records and we couldn't find anything in the days that followed that there was something in the air follow at that time. So I, uh, it's, it's following that story back to an original source. The guy who was in the aircraft is now telling me that, that story. So it becomes much more credible than when we're looking at Richard Dolan going to Jenny Randall's going to Jenny Zeidman. We've got the actual guy saying it. Well, in you that know, case, of course, it makes it far more credible. In your book, Roswell in the 21st Century, which I think is an absolutely essential book that everybody's interested in the subject should read, one thing that was really interesting is the way you trace the evolution of stories about the bodies at Roswell. That was just jaw-dropping. A real tour de force that really nailed the argument. I thought that was just incredible that you did that the way you, and the way you did it. Gee, Jerry, try to say something nice about the book, will you? <laughs> I appreciate the kind words that I thought. And, and, that's, and that's kind of what we were talking about here is I wanted to look at the case in a dispassionate light, the way it exists, taking all the nonsense out of it. And here's where the nonsense came from, and here's how we can eliminate that. And we get to the bottom line on the Roswell case, unfortunately, we're left with testimony. We have no real documentation. We have no physical evidence. We just have the testimony of the people that we believe to be credible. And there's many, many who are not credible that have been uh, touted in all the books and the TV programs and everything since Roswell exploded on the scene. Well, you see, this is what we run into a problem. We have a lot of people involved in selling Roswell, and I'll say that. And they write their books and they always have sequels. Of course, you know, we know in the movie business, sequels sometimes die out. 
you know, except for certain comic book movies where they make more money at the box office, sequels in general lose interest. The first book is okay. The second may be a little bit less. By the time they have the 10th version, then nobody cares anymore. And they are repeating the same old story over and over again. They can't be persuaded that a lot of what they're saying is simply not confirmed. And I'm not going to mention Stan Friedman because of the fact that he's retiring from the lecture circuit. So I'll respect that. But even in the interview we did with him a few weeks ago, we got him to talk about some other things about his personal life. But whenever he went back to his UFOs, it was just repeating the same old stuff. I think that what we have to do is look at the evolution of the story and see what we can understand about it. But we also have to find out what generated that story and where it came about. You know, Stan is a defender of the Roswell case. He won't look at it from any other point of view. Uh, The best example I can think of is the MJ-12 document, the Del Rio UFO crash. I actually did some research into the guy who told that story, a fellow named Willingham. Turned out that he wasn't an Air Force colonel, as he claimed. He wasn't a fighter pilot, as he claimed. The story evolved from uh, the crash happening in 1948 to 1950 to 1954. This story is mentioned in the Eisenhower briefing document of MJ-12. Well, if, if Quillingham is not a credible source and the story has been evolving over the years, then doesn't that generate problems? Isn't that a fatal flaw in the Eisenhower briefing document? And what Stan said to me at one point was, well, I believe you're right about Willingham, but you're not right about MJ-12. You know, at this point, there's no more other argument to be made. We've proven that part of the story outlined in MJ-12 is a hoax, but that still doesn't drive the stake through the heart. Well, you know, Rick Doty said that MJ-12, of course, can you believe Rick Doty? But he told us on the Paracast that it was based on another document that was real. Yeah, I believe that one. If you prove some document is fraudulent, he says, well, this is something that was was wrong, but we've got a real document here. We'll show you at some time if you live long enough or you give us enough gold. Here's the thing about Doty, okay, and and I'll say this openly, freely, and and, uh, anything else you want to hear. When I was a criminal investigator, and we often use confidential informants on various cases, And the bottom line was that CI had to be 1,000% correct on any information we we received from him. If we ever caught them lying, even once, that guy was persona non grata. Anything else, and he had a microscope pushed up his bum for anything he told us. And with Doty, you have years of prevarications coming from this guy. I just see nothing about him or his stories that uh, can be held up to light. Don't tell us things in such a calm, collected way. Tell us what you really think. When you listen to Rick Doty, it's a mixture of fact and fantasy and who knows what, especially the who knows what. Kevin Randall, tell our listeners, if they want to know more about the things you do, where do they check you out? They can go to a blog called www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. The name of it is A Different Perspective. Uh, either way will get you to it. The book on Socorro, Encounter in the Desert, came out uh, just a few months ago. You can get it at Amazon or at your local bookstore. And if you like the book, put a review up because that always helps a little bit. Jerry Clark, you don't have a site yet, do you? No, I just I try to keep a low profile. <laughs> But I'll be out with another book before the year's out. So I'd probably be my last. UFO Encyclopedia, third edition. Right. Don Ecker, where do we find you? 
Dark Matters Radio, which is my show, airs both Friday and Saturday evenings. The uh, spot to go to is kgraradio.com. You can find uh, me on Facebook. And uh, also on Facebook is the Dark Matters Radio and Don Ecker fan page, where we list our upcoming shows and uh, what the audience is talking about. You can find us on Twitter, but change your password first because of the problems they've had there. We're known as the Paracast on Twitter. I've had my Twitter account hacked, so I know about all that stuff. And I use what they call two-factor authentication. We have, by the way, a security expert on our other radio show this week, the Tech Night Out Live, a major General Earl Matthews, who was from the Air Force, by the way, but he couldn't tell me anything about Roswell. I asked him. Seriously. We also have the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. We offer you a version of this show free of the network ads, better quality audio. So Jerry Clark and Don Ecker and Kevin Randall sound perfect. And I just sound the same. How does that happen? Haven't figured it out. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast where you never know what's going to happen next. And guess what? We don't either. How about them apples? Okay. In any case, I really appreciate you guys showing up. Kevin Randall, Jerry Clark, Don Ecker, thank you all for joining us this week on the Paracast and honoring our good friend, Brad Steiger. Good night. Good night and good luck. And have a great weekend. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>